She killed him. She deserves it. You know the spell, Harry. Tonight, Tom, the orders are on their way. By which time I shall be gone. And you shall be dead. We're not learning how to defend ourselves. She's taking over the entire school. It's going to be a good time. So we did the first four Harry Potter movies last season. And uh, we had you on for Prisoner of Azkaban. Everybody, give a round of applause for Kaylee. She's back on the show. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it, thank appreciate you. it. Thank okay, you, you can knock that off now. <laughs> uh, we got Kaylee back in Texas to do mm-hmm. one, maybe two episodes. We'll see where we're at. But it feels good in this room. Oh, not dying finally, of heat. We got the AC fixed in the studio. It feels so nice. So very nice. I don't know what that was. Stop it. <laughs> Kaylee's uh, started this episode out doing some ASMR type um, noises. And uh, when you when this episode is over, I encourage you to finish the episode because at the end, I am going to put everything from the minute I started recording <laughs> to the minute we started this episode <laughs> so everybody can hear your weird ASMRness. <laughs> So, um, so, anyways, we made it through um, episode four, episode four, and movie four, Goblet of Fire. Okay, so we thought it was safe to say that we have already covered my favorite and your favorite movie, mm-hmm. but you seem to have had a different opinion on this episode. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so, something you had mentioned while we were watching this. So, I was always like under the impression that there was kind of like a three-way tie. I guess not always, but recently I was under the impression that it was a three-way tie between Prisoner of Azkaban, Order of the Phoenix, and Half-Blood Prince. But something about this movie and list or uh, watching <laughs> watching it, uh, it like it, I get so like emotional, and I love the emotions that you get from this or that I get from this movie. And uh, I don't know. It's just after watching it, it's just like. It just makes me take a step back and it's just like, oh my God, that was a good movie. And like, I don't know. I just, I, I guess this is probably my favorite now. So Really? Yeah. We have a new favorite, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Since I showed this to you when you were very young, mm-hmm. 
it's always been Prisoner of Azkaban. That might just be because after uh, Goblet of Fire and on, like, because I was able to watch. We just watched the worst first four. Right, yeah, because and then after that on, I wasn't allowed to watch any of the ones because they oh, just yeah. got darker. Yeah, and me and your mom decided different. it a little too dark yeah. for you. And everything. So, because we and didn't I think, want you to see. And I don't think we watched Goblet. Maybe we did. It was a little scary. That I, I, I'm pretty sure we only watched the first. Yeah, three. yeah, and I. uh I had a brain fart. What was I going to say? No. Uh, oh, I, I think the a reason that I like this movie so much is because my favorite character has a lot of screen time in this movie. So, Serious Black. My favorite character being Serious Black. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. <laughs> I know we did our top list of mm-hmm. our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go against that or people will be like, well, was he really your favorite? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said Serious was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you and I share that. We deviate past then, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I said that Remus was my favorite that was put to screen. Yeah. But um, I, I can't, I'm kind of taking that back now because yeah. um, I really didn't like Remus in this movie. He was a little, I don't know. He just let Harry go. Yeah, and for the rest of these movies, he's kind of a jerky face. Like, I understand why. He's gone through a lot. And even in he the books, he was a jerky face. Kind of loses his last uh, yeah. best friend. So. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't know that because you uh, haven't listened to the podcast episode, right? Uh, don't know. Yeah, don't know what you're talking about exactly. on that. Um, welcome everybody. Welcome back to Harry Potter on the Post Credit Podcast. Um, today we are talking about Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. This movie came out in 2007. It was directed by David Yates. The writers, of course, back J.K. Rowling from the the um, book source. But I've been talking about this since the first movie. Our one movie we don't have adapting the screenplay in this one, uh, adapting the screenplay with Steve Cloves, is this movie. Mm. So this movie was uh, it was adapted by Michael Goldenberg, but Harry Potter's one through four, Steve Cloves adapted the book, and Harry Potter um, six, you know, order or, uh, Half Blood Prince, and the two split finales. Those were both. Written by Steve Clothes again. So, could you tell a difference in the writing? I definitely could. I think so. It's kind of hard to remember because I haven't read the books in a long time. This mo- this book was so full of stuff. I know that they it was had to one of the out. longest. Yeah, like Order of the Phoenix, or I mean, Goblet of Fire was like crazy ridiculous, and yeah. then Order of the Phoenix came out, and people were like, oh my gosh, these things are just going to get bigger yeah. and bigger. Yeah. Then uh, Half Blood Prince wasn't it was a little bit less, mm-hmm. and I think it was less than Goblet as well. Mm-hmm. But then she did even more in uh, in uh, Deathly Hallows. But, right. Um, but yeah, the writing is different in this one. I suppose it had to be because it was so long and there was so much to adapt. We lost scenes. We lost scenes like um, that I thought were great um, that shined a little bit of light on Neville. Mm-hmm. You know, they found they found different ways to shine light on him in this movie that he didn't get in the book. Yep. Um, and I think that's probably because they took away some of his <laughs> moments in the book. Um, some of his moments in the book when Arthur gets attacked at Christmas and goes to St. Mungo's Hospital, which is the wizarding hospital um, that you don't actually get to see in this film series. I'm hoping that they explore it whenever we um, get the, the TV ad- ad- adaptation, which we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm hoping we get that. But while they were there and Arthur was there, um, they see Neville. And they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And that's when Neville tells them the story of, which we kind of get a brief, real brief scene in, in this movie, of, you know, when, when you know, my parents were in the Order of the Phoenix last time, you know. 
Bellatrix, um, and in the movie, it just in this movie it just says Bellatrix, but it was Bellatrix, it was uh, Barty Cratch Jr., and it might have been Rodolfo Strange, uh, Lestrange, uh, Bellatrix's husband or whatever. Um, but they all took place in the Cruciatus Curse uh, of the uh, of the Longbottoms for what I'm assuming is a very long time, probably hours and hours and hours and hours, just torture, maybe even days. Yeah, um, ser- uh, Sirius said it was a fate worse than death. He said it was a fate worse than death um, because to this day, Neville and uh, Neville's parents they uh, they reside in St. Mungo's. They got tortured so bad they lost their memories. They went cuckoo for cocoa puffs, mm-hmm. and they don't remember their son. You yep. know, they don't know who Neville is. And that's why Neville's always been raised by his grandma. And we mm-hmm. heard about it through all these movies. Well, in Order of the Phoenix, when they go to St. Mungo's, that's when you find out more about Neville. And when you find out more about the prophecy and when their person was supposed to be born, that's where the focus and spotlight is shown on Neville that Neville could have been the chosen one Mm -hmm. because him and Harry were born at the same time. Right. You know? And so um, it's interesting. And, And we can get into that a little bit later, but... Let, don't let me forget to talk about the prophecy and Neville and why he chose Harry. Okay. So, um, do you want to go over who this stars? Uh, sure. Um, okay. So, we've got Daniel Radcliffe playing Harry Potter. We have Rupert Grint playing Ron Weasley. Um, Emma Watson playing Hermione Granger, the core three. And then we've got Harry Melling playing Dudley Dursley. Um We've got uh, Brendan Gleeson playing Alistar um, Moody or Mad-Eye Moody. Um, we have Catherine Hunter as Mrs. Arabella Fig. <clears throat> um, we've got Fiona Shaw Petunia Durs- uh, as Petunia Dursley. We've got um, Richard Griffiths as Vernon Dursley. Mr. Richard Griffiths. Um, we have, let's see, um, Natalia, is it Tina or Tina. Tina. Tina as Nymphadora Tonks. Who you've recently seen in Game of Thrones, is that correct? Yes, uh-huh. Um, and then we've got Ralph Fiennes. I hope I'm pronouncing that last yeah, name right. Not. Okay. Uh, it's, it's actually it, it's actually pronounced it differently than most people, but it's Rafe Fiennes. Why is there an L there? It's, it's spelled like Ralph, but it's pronounced Rafe. Oh. And uh, him and his brother, um, another Fiennes, uh, are both actors in these, you know, in the Hollywood gotcha. and everything. And then but. we also have George Harris as Kingsley Shacklebolt. George Harris as Kingsley Shacklebolt. Okay, so Natalia Tina as Nymphadora Tonks. Obviously, we've talked about her before. You really like her, right? Mm-hmm, I do. She's like she's it's unique. She's not an animagus. She's not or animagus. Excuse me. And they said <laughs> animagus in here, and you got uh, yeah. real upset. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did. Animagus. <laughs> But she's not like that. She's more just like a shapeshifter kind of. Yeah. She can turn her hair color. She can make facial features. But I don't think she can actually turn fully into something. Right. Please, somebody, if that's incorrect, just let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But you saw her on Game of Thrones, and you just recently started watching it, right? Yes. Yeah, so, what uh, season are you up to? Uh, we just so my uh, boyfriend's mom has invited me over to their house every Sunday. To I mean, I guess I didn't really need to say that part, but um, well, and I just going... want to say live on the show that I love your boyfriend's name. I won't say it. Thank you. But I love your boyfriend's name. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he uh, his parents have uh, I go over there every week, and we watch some Game of Thrones. Um, and we just finished, before I came here, we just finished season four. 
So you finished season four. Yes. At the beginning of season four, that was the purple wedding, right? Uh, yes, yes. With I Joffrey. <laughs> 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 so yeah. much joy uh-huh. brought to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've seen from Harry Potter, I've seen um, Filch, and I've seen Nymphadora in Game of Thrones. And I point them out to my boyfriend every single time I see him. Yeah, so. you'll actually see yeah, a lot of these. I mean, it's obviously mostly British stars on right. that show and yeah. everything. And uh, J.K. Rowling insisted that for for the British characters, only British uh, stars could play them and everything, which makes sense. Yep. Because British actors are a lot better at doing American ac- accents than Americans are at doing British accents. I'm pretty, pretty damn opinion. good at my British accent. Are you? Yeah. But are you? Yes, like, I didn't, like in your circle, are you? Yes, or like I'm, listen, objectively. Listen, I'm pretty, I mean, I was told by my British grandmother that I am fantastic, so <laughs> that's enough validation, that's enough validation that I need from it. That I'm so. just a fantastic. Exactly, and I've fooled many people by talking British in public, and no one suspects a thing. Did At you? least I don't think, because they don't bat an eye, so I'm good, <laughs> so suck it. So suck it. Yeah. So, um... Were you ever able to um, look up any kind of like trivia for this? Nope. No? No. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, I, I just wondered. I don't know uh, much much trivia. I know a few things here and there, but um, that's okay. It's not that important. Uh, I did want to say that I'm pretty sure that this is the first movie that we can be <laughs> thankful that um, Emma Watson is still around for. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't, I'm pretty sure it's, so this is either the movie she was maybe not going to be in, or this was the last movie that she was going to maybe be in. Really? Does that make sense? She had a contract that went up to a certain, I'm pretty sure it just went up to Goblet of Fire, but then she wanted to go to school and she wanted to do other things, Mm -hmm. and like to continue to commit to Harry Potter would be like another five to ten years, because they had this one, uh, Half of Prince, then the two split movies, and then all the marketing for it, and all the press, and and and, and the release, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, she I didn't know that, so I'm they glad she stayed around. Well, they were all like that, but then she was the only one that was hesitating. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have just been a nightmare to, oh gosh, to yeah. recast another a, Hermione. Oh, one of the main three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People would have been very upset. But um. Tell me about Luna Love uh, Luna Lovegood. I love her. I actually named my snake after her. So, uh just cuz she's white. So your so. snake's name is uh, Luna? Yes, it's uh she's pure white, so I named her after her. But I love Luna. She's really unique. She's got a really quirky personality that no one seems to understand. Um she's always losing her her things cuz people are being mean and hiding them from her and I don't know. I really like her. She's got she you know, I she saw her mother die. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but, um, so she's definitely seen some things, but she has a really, really good attitude towards life and everything. And, um, yeah, she's, she just got a good head on her shoulders, I can tell. And she's really sweet. So right. doesn't have a mean bone in her body. It doesn't seem. No, like. she doesn't. And Ivana Lynch actually beat out 15,000 other girls, uh, for the role of Luna Lovegood. Um, wow. She was a huge Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. I remember reading about that. Yeah, and there was something that she had to do. I can't remember what it was. I remember the story was there was something she had to do, and I think J.K. Rowling said, like, you got to make sure you do it, and then, you know, you'll get a shot or something like that. But uh, really cool to see that because I remember that being a big thing back in the day, just talking about how big of a just a book fan she was. Mm-hmm. I don't think she had done much acting. Yeah. So I think there's a picture of her at, like, a signing or something yeah. holding a book. And I think and... she drew the Harry uh-huh. Potter glasses yep. on her face. It was really cute. Yeah. 
Um, Helen McCrory, who plays Narcissa Malfoy in the next movie, mm-hmm. uh, she was originally cast, and I think she passed away just recently. Yeah, she so, did. Mm-hmm. Um, R.A.P. to uh, Helen McCrory. But she was originally cast as Bellatrix Lestrange, but because of her pregnancy, she had to re- be replaced. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the person who played Narcissa Malfoy playing Bellatrix Lestrange? No, 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 no. Who plays Bellatrix in this movie? Um, Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think anyone could have played her better. Yeah. She's psycho. Oh, I thought you were in. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Bellatrix, she's just such a presence. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. She's an evil to be reckoned with. An evil to be reckoned with. Yeah. Yeah. She's crazy. Yeah. Um, let's see. In the original outline for the novel, the character of Arthur Weasley was to be killed off by Voldemort. Mm-hmm. To entice Harry to the Department of Mysteries. Uh, but she couldn't go through with killing off such a beloved character, which, thank God. Right. I remember when I was reading this book, I was so scared that he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, this is such a big family. There's no way every single one of them, being wizards and part of the war so close to Harry Potter, could survive this story. Uh-huh. And... You know, it made sense, but yeah. I was still terrified. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if we'll see if any any of them make it. Uh, you know, all of them make it by the end. Mm-hmm. But very surprised that um, that you know she, he decided she decided to go another way and and entice him with a, a serious. Um, what would you say that was? Just like a vision or a false vision or something? Some, it looked like it was some kind of dream of you know him getting into his head and different stuff like that. Yeah. You talk about when Harry gets into his head and shows him what he's doing to him. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of vision and it wasn't really necessarily a dream, but just some kind of like, hey, come here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I don't know if you saw that uh, anniversary special they did. I never ended up watching it. No. You should get to it when you get the chance. It's a shame they left out out, uh, J.K. Rowling, who Mm -hmm. created the series. But, um, and I I don't know that Harry or um, Daniel Radcliffe showed up for much. I think he showed up with for a talk with Gary Mm -hmm. Gary Oldman. Yeah, with Gary Oldman. Um, But they talked about how um, what was it? Um, Oh. Daniel Radcliffe had a crush on Helena Bonham Carter. Mm-hmm, I remember that. Yeah, you remember seeing that? Yep. Yeah. And I've seen little clips from it, but I haven't seen the full thing. That's from the thing. And I think he, he wrote her a letter and she wrote it back to him, uh-huh. read it back to him and all that kind of stuff. I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's cute. Um, all right. Well, I guess we can just go ahead and jump right into this movie. Mm-hmm. While staying at the Dursleys, Harry Potter and Dudley are attacked by Dementors. This is how the movie opens up. It's how the movie opens up in uh, the book, pretty much, except it goes through, like, days and days of summertime and what he's doing and what he's thinking about, thinking about Cedric and all that. May I just add that uh, the intro to, like, uh, the Harry... The Warner Brothers. The, uh-huh, it's, it's darker, and it's a little more eerie. It, it does that. It progresses like that in each movie, but I just think that's such a cool little aspect that they add in every movie, that they make it a little bit darker because it's getting closer to the big fight, if there is a big fight. Just, just saying. It's just, just, it's just if. You know, it's not a for sure thing, but, you know, it is. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is actually the first book i ever read too oh really yeah i ever? went and saw life? the i went no <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding what book was that like a novel book 
I don't even know. Probably The Hatchet. Oh, that was a good book. Yeah. I read that in middle school. We were forced to read it, and I hated it, but I ended up liking it yeah, in the end. The Hatchet really and The Westing Game. That mm-hmm. was when I was younger. Those are some good books. So, um, anyways, uh, so Harry and... Harry's obviously very depressed. Dudley's looking... <laughs> Dressed to the to the nines, whatever you say. He uh, he's so funny. He's dripped um, out. And man, he did get big. And they uh, it was funny because in the books they called him Big D, and that kid grew. He did. Yeah, I mean, and he stretched, <laughs> and he grew way the heck up. So um, it was cool to see their little thing. I love the little note of when he steps up to Dudley and pulls out his wand. Dudley's like crap. He just pulled out his wand. The other kid's like, dude, just pulled up a pulled out a stick. Yeah, and everyone's laughing, throat. but he knows like. Oh, it's like it's like yeah, it's a stick, but which still could be a weapon, but it's the smallest. You see stick the the weather seen. getting darker, and he's just looking at Harry like, Shut what are you doing? Out. What are you doing? Yeah, he was like, what are you doing? And one thing that I'd like to throw out there is that I just see the the whole interaction between uh, Dudley and his his goons, I guess, um, and Harry Potter, like you know Dudley's making jokes and he's like looking back at his friends for validation and they're all laughing like that doesn't happen in real life it's just like you say something stupid and they're like oh sick burn bro like that doesn't happen but anyways yeah well maybe it does and you just haven't ran with those crowds those I don't awful, plan to awful people I've ran with awful people but not those kind of those are <laughs> not those, those are just stupid awful people not those awful people yeah. Um, so the Ministry of Magic detects that underage Harry used magic to defend himself and to defend Dudley, which mm-hmm. I thought was a great scene. I think that uh, basically the way they described it in the book looked great in the movie. Um, you know, expect uh, you know having him bring out Expecto Patronum, which we haven't seen in two movies. You know, that was great to hear again. Um, and then him. Now, one thing about this beginning of this movie that's always bothered me, they did a terrible job of making it look like Harry was helping Dudley. Oh. I don't know if, if, if it ever bothers you, if you can remember it, but he's got his arm slung, and you can tell that basically oh, he's just yes, walking with him. Oh, yes, I know what you mean. Uh-huh. But it doesn't look like he's supporting him. No. It totally looks like something you'd see on a stage or right. something, but it's, it's weird. I don't know. It's like... You guys could have rehearsed that a little bit more to make it look silly. Now, I know that a smaller guy like Harry, it's hard for him to carry Dudley, but that's Big what D. he was smaller than Dudley in the the book. Yeah. And he still had to struggle to carry him. And mm-hmm. it just, it, it looks so fake. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. I but. get what you mean. This is when we get introduced to Mrs. Fig. Yeah, Mrs. Fig, which uh, I don't know if we'll see again. Yeah, past I don't think this. so. I, I'm pretty sure we see her in the books past this, but not in the movies. Yeah. But she's a, uh, a what? She's a squib. a squib. She's a squib, just like Argus Filch. And uh, I do remember in the books, they talked about how her house smelled like cabbage. And uh, she... Uh, yeah, none of the neighborhood, all the neighborhood kids thought she was just a weirdo, right? Yeah, and she crossbred cats and... Um, I think they're Neasles. I think that's what they're. I think that's how it's pronounced. But it's just like a magical creature, okay, like the cats. Ministry needs to go keep an eye on her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I know that she was part of the Order of the Phoenix as well back in the day, um, in the first Wizarding Wizard World. She made the tea. War. Yeah. She made everybody's tea for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I know she's part of it, um, and I know that uh, when Dudley had when they whenever uh, Petunia and Vernon. <laughs> needed someone to babysit Harry I think they took him to um, uh, Mrs. Fig or Arabella 
and I guess it was she had to kind of like mistreat him in a way. When was this? This was whenever she had to, or whenever he needed babysat. Oh, I think yeah. I remember that. Um, and you know, no, she he thought he he didn't mind going over there. He said in the book he because oh. she let him watch TV. Okay, because I feel like I remember something about he just how didn't like going over there because it stunk and she was kind of a weirdo. Yeah, I just know that she you know she didn't want it want to Vernon and Petunia to think that he was enjoying himself because if he did then they wouldn't let him come over over there and uh and i think that he would just go home and be like it stinks over there yeah stuff so they probably didn't mind it or whatever um anyways he gets a howler from the ministry Mm -hmm. um and if you've listened to our show you should know what that is by now uh and it basically says you've been hereby expelled from hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. All because he was defending himself. Harry's been That's expelled. That's how it is in, in our real school, too. He was attacked by Dumbledore's, or Dumbledore's. <laughs> he was attacked by Dementors. And who controls Dementors? The Ministry of Magic. That's right. So this sounds like an inside job, but nobody believes him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Order of the Phoenix, a secret organization founded by Albus Dumbledore, informs Harry that the Ministry of Magic is oblivious to Lord Voldemort's return because... Um, stupid Fudge, oh, I hate that guy, but Stupid Fudge is not believing that Voldemort's back. He doesn't believe Harry's story that he fought him and that he killed Cedric because that's like the scariest thing that Fudge can think of. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't minister the last time that Voldemort attacked, and now he's minister. Now he has to lead this, mm-hmm. and he is definitely not up to it. And you'll find that out in the next story. It's like he... As soon as he realizes what's going on, he vacates that spot pretty, pretty quickly. Right. Um, so, uh, at the head at the Order's headquarters, Harry's godfather, Sirius Black, mentions that Voldemort seeks an object he previously lacked, and Harry believes it to be a weapon. So, we got everybody. We get, first of all, the, the, the pretty sweet uh, intro um, uh, broom. Uh, chase, not chase, but you know, hauling ass through London, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so they they get on their brooms, and it's it's real cinematic, right? This is the most cinematic Harry Potter that I think we had seen up to this point, and probably for the rest of it until the last movie. Right. Um. So they pull up to uh, Grimald Place, which is Sirius Black's house, and it's it's a it's a house that's that you can't that can't be seen unless you know how to get in, mm-hmm. and you have to be a secret keeper, mm-hmm. which is what. Wormtail was for the Potters. Right, Her, their house could not be seen, just like in this one, and uh, Wormtail was the secret keeper. But all the members of the Order of the Phoenix are secret keepers, so they can all access the house. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that when they get there in the book, they do give Harry the secret, so that he's able to see it. Because mm-hmm. he's not able to see it when they first get there. And then suddenly it kind of opens up and there it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but as they go in, they're, um, you know, they see that everybody's joined around. Ron, Hermione, the twins. This is a very angry Harry. This is the most angry we've seen Harry, I think, so far. And in this book, it's pretty much like that. He is just a very angry person. And obviously we know why. At the end of um, Goblet of Fire, Voldemort came back and he's back. Well, what does that mean? We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. And this is also uh, whenever they get to the house and everything, They that's when we meet Creature, which is the Black's servant. Right. Um, 
and oh, yeah, he's kind of like kind of like Dobby. Does, that does uh, ride a very risky <laughs> risque line there. He's the black servant. Yeah. So um, yeah, but he's creature, and he's like a Dobby, but he's a much older um, house elf. And he's, he's cranky. He's been completely manipulated by the blacks uh, when they were alive. Um, you know, Sirius's mom and stuff. Um, to believe that pure bloods are the only true wizards, mm-hmm. right, and witches. So, creature believed. You know, he's been manipulated against his own kind. Doesn't like house elves. Doesn't like mud bloods. Doesn't like any of these people. So it's like racism in the wizarding world, right? And they spread it to their house elf. Yeah. So, um, and actually, the reason that. Harry is caught at the end is because of Creature in the book, if you remember. No, I don't. Okay, we'll bring it up here at the end. Um, so, uh, Arthur takes Harry um, after Harry finds out that there's a weapon that Voldemort's looking for and he wants to join. And Molly's like saying, Stop it, you can't tell him all this. And Sirius is like, like, He's got to know, you know. But Sirius doesn't want. I don't know if he's really thinking about Harry's really his well-being. Mm-hmm. He wants James back. Yep. You know, and that's how he sees Harry and it's evidence at the end of this movie mm-hmm. which we saw. So, I think that if he, this was any other kid, there'd be no way Sirius would be telling this guy. Right. But because it's the son of James, it looks like James. Right. You know, he acts like James. You know, he's got <laughs> animosity towards Snape like James. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, I'm, I want this kid to know all of it because I want us to get into the fight again. You know, Sirius, I'm sure he likes peaceful times, but he also likes to fight too. Right. He also, you know, he always liked to pick on Snape and mess with him with, with James and everything. So he wants James back and that's why he's willing to tell him all these things that Matt, even Matt, I was like, Sirius, mm-hmm. come on, man. And Lupin was kind of like, Whatever he's a little hush hush. But if they're telling him, then Lupin doesn't mind. You know, right. I think that Lupin was kind of there was a part of him that was like, I think Harry deserves to know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in lieu of James and Lily not being here, I think he deserves to know everything. So, what do you think? That um, any other situation, I'd say no. Mm-hmm. But Dumbledore has a plan, right? And Dumbledore's plan is to make sure that Harry knows as much as he can, as fast as he can, except for a couple things mm-hmm. that Dumbledore has to keep secret from right. him. Right. Yep. Or it'll mess it all up. Yep. But other than that, he wants Harry to know as much as he can. He has to prepare Harry to fight and to eventually, you know, mm-hmm. face him. So I, I'd say yes, because I trust Dumbledore as... Yeah. as uh, Carefree and devil He's the knower of all, so I trust him. Children's lives, mm-hmm. but so Arthur takes him to uh, to his hearing. He's uh, fascinated by the underground trains. Yep, yep. Fascinated by underground underground trains. The reason they're going to this is because Dumbledore talked to the Ministry and said, "You're going to have a hearing." You know, Dumbledore has so much swing, so much power because he's so powerful and respected that he said, "We're going to have a hearing about this. You don't get to just kick him out of school." Or, you know, we're going to have a proper hearing. So, takes him there. Of course, Arthur loves the little uh, you know, little phone booth entrance, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, they go through the ministry. They get to the uh, the hearing. And, you know, they started early because of shenanigans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dumbledore would have had to have been hiding, 
because he got the, he's like by by you know a happy mistake or happen chance or whatever I arrived here three hours early. Uh-huh. You know he knew they were going to pull these shenanigans, yep. right? So he was already there, and thankfully Shacklebolt went and told Arthur like, "Hey, you got five minutes. You need to get down there." Mm-hmm. So that because if he would have missed it, they would have just passed judgment without him being there. Mm-hmm. So. We don't have to really get too much into this. They go through their whole rigmarole. Um, Harry's like, getting interrupted left and right. Yep, and he comes in. He's like, "Witness for the defense, Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore." So uh, he comes in and basically smacks them all down, saying, "You know what are we doing here? This is a, a use of accidental underage, or this is a use of accident of." Uh, underage magic mm-hmm. it wasn't a spell in front of somebody that doesn't know about magic mm-hmm. you know basically they've made they've made concessions for him in the past remember when he blew up his aunt mm-hmm. and, and and made her swell up yeah. ah, no big deal don't worry about it Harry because they were trying to keep him safe Yep. they didn't care about it before and maybe that would have been more of a reason because the aunt didn't know about magic right but he, the only person he used the magic in front of was Dudley, mm-hmm. who who is allowed to have that information. You know, there are certain people in the world that the wizards and witches allow to know about them because they are related to witches and yep. wizards, though not being ones themselves. Now, look here. Dementors don't just wander into a muggle suburb and happen across a wizard. The, the odds are astronomical. I don't think anyone would believe that the mentors were there by coincidence, Minister. <clears throat> I'm sure I must have misunderstood you, Professor. Dementors are, after all, under the control of the Ministry of Magic. It's so silly of me, but it sounded for a moment as though you were suggesting that the Ministry had ordered the attack on this boy. That would be disturbing indeed, Madam Undersecretary, which is why I'm sure the Ministry will be mounting a full-scale inquiry into why the two Dementors were so very far from Azkaban and why they mounted an attack without authorization. Of course, there is someone who might be behind the attack. Cornelius, I implore you to see reason. The evidence that the Dark Lord has returned is incontrovertible. He stopped. Back. In the matter of Harry Potter, the Lord clearly states that magic may be used before muggles in life-threatening situations. Laws can be changed if necessary, Dumbledore. Clearly, it has become practice to hold a full criminal trial to deal with a simple matter of underage magic. I don't... It's obviously just all a setup and everything, and Dumbledore's like, what are we doing here? He gets uh, Mrs. Fig to come in and testify, and you can tell by the way he's looking back at her that she's memorized everything. Because she's a squib, she can't see Dementors. Right, yep. So he had to describe to her what they looked like, how they acted, what it felt like, and everything... To uh, to so they were lying, but they had to because of. The Does the Ministry of Magic know she was a squib? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, she might have just given her testimony. Um, they obviously said, uh, "What is it? You know, describe what you describe what you saw. saw. Describe what you felt." Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, I don't know. 
that's that's an interesting thing. I wonder if I wonder if they did know. But during this, we also get to see um, Amelia Bones, and Amelia Bones is mother of Susan Bones, who goes to school with Harry. But Amelia Bones is the one that um, that voted or asked everybody to put their vote in. Everything she actually voted for Harry to be not guilty, and she is a badass. Mm-hmm. So in the books, um, she's actually the head of the law enforcement department. She's like the captain of the law enforcement or whatever. So she's above Moody, all that kind of stuff. And she's quite the badass. And when it came to um, taking her down, um, we get a real brief description of it from Fudge at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince in mm-hmm. the book. But um, Voldemort himself sought Amelia Bones down and killed her himself because most likely if he would have sent any of his top lieutenants even or any of the regular Death Eaters, they might not have walked away. They they mentioned that Amelia Bones was like the greatest witch of her age. Mm-hmm. So she was like probably not on Voldemort's level, but they said that there was enough evidence to see that she put up a really good fight. Mm-hmm. And who puts up a really good fight about Vol- uh, against Voldemort? Dumbledore did. Mm-hmm. Nobody else does. Right. You're dead within, you know, pretty quickly if, if Voldemort comes. So I just thought that was cool. She was yeah. like, she was a cool character, but. And one thing, uh, uh, you know, whenever, you know, after all this Dumbledore walks up to Fudge and he's like, you need to, you know, consider the facts and consider everything that we've said um, uh, as to what is going on here. Um, and, you know. Cornelius is like he's not back um he's not back yeah and I just I feel like from watching him in that scene it's like I feel like he believes Dumbledore but he's just so terrified of Dumb or of Voldemort that he's just he can't admit it to himself maybe I don't know he just seems terrified and I I think that's what it is I think he's just terrified yeah and and I don't know if he believes Dumbledore because one he's terrified um, of the the prospect of that even happening. Mm-hmm. Voldemort's not been around, so there's a good portion of him that doesn't believe it. The right. thought of it is too terrifying for him to, to, to change his stance on whether he believes it or not. So it's going to stay a no because he's too scared to think of maybe, yes, mm-hmm. he has returned. And since it's a no, I think then that leads him to believe the only reason Dumbledore would be saying this is because he wants my job. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely ridiculous because for decades they've been asking Dumbledore to take the job of Minister of Magic. But as we've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, with everything that's coming with the Deathly Hallows and all that kind of stuff, Dumbledore cannot be trusted with power. And he knows that in himself. He knows that he cannot be trusted with power. So he has declined being the minister many, many times that they've asked him because he doesn't trust himself and how uh, he would react to that. So the fact that, that the minister's freaking out, he thinks that Dumbledore's trying to take... He's just not thinking whether... You know, Rima said it. You know, he's not thinking... He's in not his in right his right mind. mind. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyways, uh, so he's acquitted. He's allowed to go back to Hog, uh, Hogwarts. And uh, they... Uh, he, Real quickly, they you get to see Umbridge. She's not really introduced. You just get to see her make a little snooty remark, basically saying, "It sounds like you're insinuating that uh, that we, the Ministry, was behind this, you know, and all that." And um, 
And Dumbledore's, yeah, like, yeah, I'm sure that that's not true because that would be an awful thing. You know, knowing that you find out later Umbridge is the one that sent the Dementors. Right. So. Yeah. Um, that's not in the movie, but that's in the book. Umbridge, it was found out that Umbridge was the one that sent the uh, the, the Dumbledores after Harry. The Dumbledores? Well, uh, the, 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 the Dementors. <laughs> I keep saying that, man. But she's like, she loves Fudge, right? Mm-hmm. And she's just a, a horrible, nasty like in person. love with him, or just I don't know. But she, you know, she she's she's likes him a lot and everything, and wants to do right by him. And so, you know, Harry and Dumbledore were saying all these things. She's not going to go after Dumbledore, so she sent the mentors after Harry and everything. So, um, anyway, so he goes to school. We are introduced to Luna a little bit before that. He turns around and he see you know there's carriages being. Pulled. This is when they get to Hogwarts yeah. and they get off the train. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're being carried by these horse-looking, like these, like, there's like undead-looking horses kind of they thing. They look like Thestrals. They, yeah, they're called Thestrals. They look like Thestrals. Yeah. Uh, they look like Thestrals. Yes. So they're, they're called Thestrals, um, and uh, he's asking... Shut up. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he looks to Hermione and Ron and is like, what is that? And... You know, Hermione's like, there's nothing there, you idiot. Not actually, he didn't say that, but, you know, he's like, there's nothing there. You know, it's pulling itself like always. And, um, you know, Luna, you you meet Luna and she's like, uh, I can see them too. And, you know, she looks she looks a little crazy. She's She's got her book upside down and she's reading, reading it and she's like, you're just as sane as I am. And that's when you realize that, you know, she's a little quirky. She's kind of fun. Quirky, that's a good word. Yeah, she's a little quirky girl. Um, so yeah, and then we get into the, uh, you know, once they're in the the I great hall. Was, I think she was the best uh, introduction to the series. That's, I agree. That's immediately liked by everybody. I agree. Yep. It's just like this, like you know, everybody had read the books and they've been waiting years to see this character because you don't see her in any of the books. She's been at Hogwarts, but she's just never, I don't know, been in the spotlight. I guess. Right. But um, <sighs> but, but you know, she's interested. Uh, introduced. Everybody likes her. Everybody. Um, She's she's a good quirky character, and she actually becomes very important, especially for Harry in a couple different circumstances in the next few movies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I like her a lot. But um, we get like Dolores, you know, he's like we've got a couple, you know, staff changes or whatever, and one of them is Dolores, and you know, usually no one ever gives a speech, but for some reason, thank you, headmaster, for those kind words of welcome. And how lovely to see all your bright, happy faces smiling up at me. I'm sure we're all going to be very good friends. That's likely. The Ministry of Magic has always considered the education of young witches and wizards to be of vital importance. Although each headmaster has brought something new to this historic school. Progress for the sake of progress must be discouraged. Let us preserve what must be preserved, perfect what can be perfected, and prune practices that ought to be prohibited. She, you know, she's the new defense against the dark arts teacher, um, except, you know, since the ministry is interfering with Hogwarts, 
um, there is a new like book that they get and it's ministry approved and it has no defensive spells or anything and because to them they don't need to use any defensive spells because in their eyes there's no one out there that would want to hurt them um so everyone's like what the heck how are we gonna defend ourselves and different stuff like that detention (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she's uh she's given this speech and everything no one likes her and she goes to sit down and Ron says load of waffles I don't know what she said uh, load of waffles that's what that's what Ron said she said load of waffles uh huh and uh yeah it, it was she's just weird she is weird she's annoying well she's annoying and then because Harry was pushing it in class she gave her detention yep. she gave him detention yep. now this is where we get into what Henry was talking about earlier the uh the torture and right. uh, the torture aspect now Umbridge has been described as a mixture of Doris Day and Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. So, like, Doris Day was, like, this entertainer back in the day, singer, actor, and all. And, uh, but she, she was very sweet and chipper and just sickly sweet Annoying. personality. Uh, but it worked on her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has this, but with the Freddy Krueger mentality of, you know, she, yeah, she's, she's pretty terrible. Yeah. she's She's actually been voted... Um, by fans as worse than Voldemort. Voldemort yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like the most the 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 worst character, the most evil character in the series, mm-hmm. is not Voldemort. It's been voted as Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. So, kind of gives you a if you're reading the books, kind of gives you a better sense of really just how bad she is. So the horrifying abuse happens. He gets in there, and um, he she gives him this special quill that when he writes with it, it carves what he writes into his skin mm-hmm. and makes it permanent. Yep. Permanent scars. And in the books, I believe it was only ever done to Harry. And uh, this movie, it shows it being done to a few others as well, but I'm pretty sure that Harry was the only one that had the things carving into his hand. Because I think that would have gotten out and... No matter what fudge, how fud, crazy fudge is, he he wouldn't have wanted parents knowing that they got teachers carving stuff into other kids' skin or whatever. So, uh, I imagine Dumbledore, if he had just gone to Dumbledore and told him what's what's happening, mm-hmm. you know, this is after he was he'd had the little scarring. If he had told Dumbledore, I imagine he would have had it tossed out immediately, and then you know get the word out like, hey, look, there's she's causing harm to the children scarring and all that kind of stuff then you know then fudge wouldn't have been able to say anything but for some whatever reason harry just didn't want to speak up it may have been because harry's kind of salty towards dumbledore right now like first of all he found out his friends you know he knew his friends weren't contacting him and then he found out it's because dumbledore dumbledore when he tried to talk to him at the ministry when he was on trial didn't look at him didn't talk to him and then walked right out and walked away yep. uh, when he was at school he walked away now do you think there was any way to let Harry know why he was doing that without letting Voldemort know uh, I don't know because he could have because uh, he was constantly in Harry's head so it could have taken a split second for Voldemort to know that you know, Dumbledore's there and everything and talking to him, but... Yeah, for those that didn't catch it, the reason that Dumbledore is staying away is because um, when Voldemort came back last year, he 
felt this connection that Harry has felt as well. And it's why if Harry keeps having these dreams and images of Voldemort, it's because they can get into each other's heads. Yep. Voldemort has figured that out. Um, and he's, he kind of figures it out a little bit more towards the end and um, really starts to use it. But in the time being, he's just being influenced by Voldemort because Voldemort is kind of searching the mental spectrum or right. whatever. Yep. So um, that's why Dumbledore wanted, just in case Voldemort figured out and was monitoring them through Harry's brain, mm-hmm. he didn't want Voldemort to see how close Dumbledore and Harry were because if he saw that they had a pretty good relationship instead of just Dumbledore has no time for Harry, you know, blah, 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 blah. Does it, would should, you know, it would show one, how close they are and how important Dumbledore thinks Harry is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Harry's pretty mad at Ron and Hermione, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, we're, we're probably going to skip past a few things because I, this movie is just so long to yep. talk about everything. Yep. So uh, we're just going to kind of go briefly through everything. But he's very mad at Ron and Hermione because when it's the three of them, like I mentioned before, uh, they break the rules, but they didn't break the rules to send him a message. They didn't step out and do all that. You know, it's like it's supposed to be us no matter what. Right. And you guys weren't there for me or mm-hmm. whatever. So he goes out into the forest one day and talks to Luna, who's out there with no shoes because probably somebody stole it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're out there, and Luna's talking to him, and he's telling her kind of about, and, you know, he's, they're looking at the Thestrals. She's feeding them raw meat and everything. But he's, he's having a problem um, with everything that he's dealing with and dealing with the death of Cedric. And whenever he finds out from Luna that it's like people that have seen death, he realizes that she saw her mom die and the reason he couldn't see these thestrals before even though he was there when his parents die is because he couldn't witness it and he couldn't um fully understand it right because he was just a baby Mm -hmm. so he he doesn't even have any memories of it happening Mm -hmm. so um but now that he does um he realizes that that luna actually saw her mom die and and witnessed that happen and he's just like, you know, this person who's always so bright and so up, how is she dealing with this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, talks about him being alone. And then he's, and she's like, you know, if I was you-know-who, that's exactly how I'd want you to feel. Yep. Because if it's just you, you're, you're not, not much, much of a threat. threat. Mm-hmm. And right after that, that's when he realizes, okay, I need to let the rest of that crap go. Mm-hmm. I got two friends here who have literally gone to battle with me, gone to fight these different things with me put their life on the line for me and with me what am i doing right and that's when he goes back and he tries to apologize to them it's like look i'm sorry may i join you and everything and that's when both <laughs> and ron's just sitting there like he's just eating and she's Do you like ever stop eating <laughs> he's like hungry hungry Jenny's looking at him like, what the hell? But they look at Harry and they're like, okay, cool. Harry's back now. And yep. then Harry's not as moody. He's a little bit moody, but he it's not like he's being a jerk to right. Hermione and Ron like he has been doing. Yeah. So that's all great. Let's talk about Trelawney and what happens with her getting kicked out. Tell us about that scene. Uh, well, about. you see uh, Harry is going down a hall and there's a lot of people rushing one way and he's like, what is going on? And he... Uh, asks Cho and she was like it's Trelawney and you know he continues to walk out and you see she's standing around all of her suitcases she's crying and um, he's like what 
and people are, you know, all the students are watching, um, and Dolores comes from one way, and, um, I think, I think he, she was just saying that she was, she was kicking her out and everything, and, um, she was removing her as a teacher, but she was also banishing her from the grounds, um, and do you have any input on that? Yeah, um, so it's a pretty it's a pretty fun scene, you know, another scene for Umbridge to be just a horrible, horrible person. And one thing I wanted to say that we I mentioned when we were watching this, um, Filch, he has no uh, loyalty mm-hmm. to anybody except for his cat, <laughs> to the, except for Mrs. Norris. But he has no loyalty to Dumbledore. He has, right. it's like whoever has the most power in the school. That's who he's like, okay. Which I'm so, surprised because of that, he's not for Voldemort, you know, just because that whole power kind I of thing. I guess. I mean, maybe he has, uh, he's a squib, so there's not much he can do. True. So, you know, he's just kind of like, oh, cool, you know, a bad person's taking over. Oh, I got to deal with Voldemort, or I got to deal with Dumbledore now again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's just like, maybe he's just dedicated to school. He's just a grumpy guy. Yeah. Students out of bed. Mm-hmm. Students out of bed. Yeah, he doesn't like kids. <laughs> Hates him. I think there's some kind of twinge of jealousy in there, too. Yeah. Since so, he is a squib. Yeah. So, there's probably that. There's, he probably has family members that are good witches and wizards or whatever. But, so he's helping her, and then Dumbledore comes out. And so everybody's like, oh, sweet. Okay, he'll take care of this. to say dear oh there are several things i would like to say (laughs) professor mcgonagall might i ask you to escort sybil back inside Educational decree number 23, as enacted by the minister. You have the right to dismiss my teachers. You do not, however, have the authority to banish them from the grounds. That power remains with the headmaster. For now. But you all have studying to do. Now, is that it? On that part, yeah, basically, for you? and then there's, uh, you know, you didn't umbrage. see, you didn't read anything more into that. No. No. Uh-uh. Do you remember how prophecies work in the Harry Potter books? Yeah, like only the the person who made it, who made the prophecy, and the person who it's about can read. Can the retrieve it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can retrieve. Retrieve it. it. Sorry. And that's what. Voldemort wanted he couldn't go into the ministry himself so we sent his people but it just needed to be retrieved and nobody could have pulled it down and retrieved it except for Harry and Trelawney and the person who made the prophecy Mm -hmm. and this is where we find out in the books 
that the prophecy was made about Harry and Voldemort and that Harry would be the one to kill him. That's that's why he's the chosen one. Um, And it was made by Trelawney, Mm -hmm. who never has, and this is probably her first and maybe only prophecy she's actually ever done. Because remember, when Trelawney's like, can you make a prediction for me now? And she's like... Grave danger. Yeah. So that's not what it looks like. But remember in book three... We had she, you know, he's uh, she grabbed him by the arm and he went to this. She went to this trance and talked about how the Grim was after him. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. and and she had that weird voice. Uh, we'll be reunited with the Dark Lord once more. Yeah. Well, that was like that is a real trance. That's a real prediction. She doesn't even know she's doing it. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, sorry, dude. Did you say something?" Exactly. So um, I don't know if it's this one or the next one. Um, or even the final one, but I'm cool with talking about it right now. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this prophecy for a little bit. So this prophecy was made. Um, do you know what the uh, exact words of the prophecy was? No. So this was Sybil Trelawney's very first prophecy. Um, and this is the entire line of the proce- prophecy. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. Born to those who, and remember, some of this was cut up for the movie, and they didn't go in, they didn't have the entire one because it talks about the month when they, you know, month and all that kind of stuff. It didn't get out of that in the movie, but it's the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. And remember, this was before Harry was born. Mm-hmm. Um, born to those who have thrice defied him, born as the seventh month dies. And the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal. But he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. And he was born in the end of July. But who else was born at the end of July? Neville was born at the end of July. Now... Um, I like the fact that, that they made sure to leave a scene in there where Dumbledore makes sure she doesn't leave the grounds because then uh, the Death Eaters would have snatched her up and made her get the prophecy, yep. right? Yep. If they had, I'm sure that the they know who does the prophecies or whatever. Um, so it talks about the one with the power of the, uh, the, to vanquish the Dark Lord is going to be born as the seventh month dies. So at the end of the seventh month, which is July... Harry was born at the end of July, and who else was born at the end of July? Neville Longbottom. Neville Longbottom. Now, um, that if that's all the information you got, you can basically narrow it down to two people. Okay, you can the only wizarding families that were close, and that we're assuming this prophecy has to do with some, you know, something that's close by or whatever. Um, you have two kids. You have Neville Longbottom, and you have. Um, you have Harry Potter. Now, as Voldemort, which one would you go for and why? If I was Voldemort? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, since Bellatrix uh, used the, the Crucio curse on his parents, he doesn't seem to have much defense, if that makes sense. On Neville's parents? Uh, yeah. yeah cause now, that didn't happen until after the prophecy, oh, until okay. after Voldemort found out. Oh, okay. I don't know. It happened right before Voldemort died, basically. Right. Uh, or died, uh, is when the, the Longbottom. So, do you know what the Longbottom, uh, Longbottoms are as far as their blood status? Uh, 
No. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Not a trick question or anything. No. Uh, so the long bottoms are pure bloods, mm-hmm. and they're both of them are pure bloods. Okay. Okay. Harry was being born to a pure blood and in a half James. Blood. Yep. And a mud blood, not even a half blood. Oh. Because Lily didn't have parents that were witches and wizards. She was like Hermione. She was born, and Petunia, you know, didn't have the gene or whatever. She was just born. She just happened to be, you know, have the, the wizarding powers or whatever. So, do you pick someone like that, or do you pick the pure bloods because yeah. of Voldemort and all his pure blood mania? Yeah, probably not. Probably not Neville and his family. Yeah, it mirrors like Hitler stuff, right? Like Hitler was all about the Aryan nation, blonde hair, blue eyes, and all that. Yeah, Hitler didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes, right? You know, so you look at Voldemort; he did not go for the pure bloods mm-hmm. as much as he tells his followers: no mud bloods, no half bloods, pure bloods only. He didn't go for the pure bloods. He went for the the child of the half bloods, the mud bloods. He went for the half-blood child, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. What we find out later is that Voldemort himself is a half-blood. Yeah. You know, his mom was a wizard or a witch, but his dad was just a regular old human, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what we, we're going to get into that next next uh, book. I mean, next movie slash book or whatever. But it's interesting that Voldemort chooses the Potters because when he when he goes after him and he kills the mom and everything and he marks Harry which is what they said he would do it could uh, Dumbledore makes the point that he could have done the same thing with Neville and then Neville would have had Harry's life mm-hmm. you know um, but it didn't work out that way because uh, Voldemort saw strength in half-bloods because he himself was one yeah which is kind of ironic because uh, it's not totally off topic but the the two actors that played uh, Harry Potter and Neville. I'm pretty sure they both went for the Harry Potter role. Yeah, I think they did. So. Yeah, I think they did. And Neville could have been uh, probably a good Harry Potter, depending on you know the looks and all that kind of stuff. But I uh, I just think that 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 duality is cool. Also, one of his closest servants, who was also one of the most powerful Death Eaters, was Snape, who was also a half blood. Mm-hmm. That's what you find out next. Right. Um, So all of these people are like that. And what a lot of people don't know also about this whole prophecy thing is who who was with Trelawney that she gave the prophecy to? Do you know who was with her? Mm -mm. When she she suddenly went to her trance and she spoke the prophecy, which is stored at the ministry... Mm -hmm. Who was she with that heard that prophecy? Mouth it. Yeah, Dumbledore. Oh. Dumbledore happened to be with her that night and heard the prophecy firsthand. And that's how he knew immediately what was going on. Mm-hmm. Do you know who was hiding outside the door mm-hmm. that heard the prophecy that shouldn't have? Snape. Severus Snape. And what did he do with that information? He went straight to Voldemort and told him. Because at this time, Snape was serving Voldemort truly. Mm -hmm. He told him about the prophecy. And then right after that, uh, Harry and Neville were born. And over the next few months, Voldemort was doing research about who this was, who this was that did it. And then finally narrowed it down to these two people. 
and then figured out it was either Harry or Neville. And he decided it was going to be Harry because they're haplet. So he let all his, his death eaters know, we needed to find out where the potters are. Mm-hmm. And Snape goes, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And that is the time when he immediately goes, and we see later on, he goes to, to Dumbledore and says, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, please don't kill me. Please hide them. I didn't know that it was about them. I didn't know it was about, you know, Lily or whatever. And, you know, Dumbledore's like, it's not about Lily. It's about a boy. Like, Snape wasn't even thinking about the boy. You know, all he cared about was Lily and everything. So all of that was wrapped around all of this stuff. You know, the fact that that's probably one of Snape's biggest regret is hearing that and running straight to Voldemort and telling him telling him what he could remember. And that's why Voldemort had to come back and learn and hear this prophecy again. Because what he heard from Snape is what Snape could remember. You know, so he had to hear the prophecy again. He wanted to know exactly what it says so he knew how to kill Harry Potter because he knew that it said that one has to kill the other. So now i got to figure out how to do it. So um, this is why I tell everybody, if you like the Harry Potter movies, go watch the movies. Right. If you don't like the Harry Potter movies, not go watch the movies. If you like the Harry Potter movies, go read the books. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the Harry Potter movies, go read the books mm-hmm. because they're way better. That gives much more information and everything. So, um, so after that, they decide they need to start a thing called Dumbledore's Army. We're going to start to blow blow through some of this because we're getting crazy on time here. But, um, but yeah, I th- I think the real real reason he couldn't have Tre- Trelawney booted is because he. Uh, she could reveal the prophecy as well as Harry. So um, let me see. I got way behind on this. Okay. So uh, they uh, they meet at a bar real quick. They explain to the kids, hey, we need to, we need to learn this stuff. Dumbledore or Dumbridge is not teaching us anything. Mm-hmm. We need to learn this stuff. Harry's been, been through it all. And that's when he made the very good point that, look, I – was lucky 99% of the time. I pretty much always had help. Mm -hmm. I have not done all this by myself. You know, when he was in Sorcerer's Stone, you know, he wouldn't have made it past the three-headed dog. Right. Or or anything. Um, He wouldn't have made it um, past the chain, you know, to the Chamber of Secrets if it wasn't for Ron. You know, Ron helped out a lot and, you know, with with Professor Quirrell. Um, He in part three you know he wouldn't have they definitely wouldn't have been able to save Sirius and Buckbeak if it wasn't for Hermione and her time turner Mm -hmm. um and you know maybe some stuff that Ron did um there was a lot of luck there but there was a lot of Harry doing a lot of stuff too so uh they start learning from Harry starts teaching him different things um and it isn't till I think right before they went on uh on break on Christmas break that um you know people broke out of azkaban uh death eaters helped uh all, like bellatrix and a bunch of people break out of azkaban um we're trying to figure out if uh who's the werewolf fenrir uh grayback we're trying to figure out if fenrir grayback was part of the escapees so if any of you listeners know if he was part of the escapees let us know uh, we want to know because we, we I can't remember if he was captured in Azkaban with them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but that happens. Um, Neville sees the clipping, and that's when he tells Harry about, you know, what happened to his mom and dad and, and what she did and all that. Um, 
But before that happens, Henry ha- or Henry <laughs> Harry has a dream about a snake crawling through the ministry. Yep. And where is it going? Uh, it's heading towards uh, Arthur. It's heading towards Arthur, and Arthur is standing in a place with a bunch of glass globes. We don't know what that is yet. We find out later it's all the uh, prophecies and like you know, little crystal balls like you have and everything. But he is patrolling in there, and we don't know why, but um, the snake attacks him. And I have to imagine that maybe the snake was in there to get the prophecy, you know. Mm-hmm. He, Lucius was at the beginning of the movie, you know. I Maybe he was trying to go in there, and Fudge Cap uh, caught him, and he just kind of played it off as, oh, you know, I'm just wandering around, let's talk, and right. all that. So maybe Lucius was trying to sneak in. Now they have the snake trying to go in, you know. And Dumbledore not, realizes they're going after the prophecy. Right, and not only was Harry in this dream and, like, seeing the snake go towards Arthur, it was almost as if he was the snake. He was the snake, and that's what he to- ended up telling Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. So he wakes up in a, in a cold sweat and uh, goes and tells uh, him and Harry, or him and Ron, both go and tell McGonagall, McGonagall and she takes him to Dumbledore. Um, Dumbledore asks him very particular things, you know, in your dream, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he finally figures out this seems real. And so he has the um, the the portrait go check now in the harry potter world i don't know if we've talked about this but you have dead people that are in these portraits they just kind of magically appear sometimes i think sometimes they're made but sometimes they magically appear now if you have two different portraits which uh this guy named phineas black does he's in the black family and he has a portrait in grimald place where the order of the phoenix is and he has a portrait up in the headmaster's office in dumbledore's office at hogwarts because all headmasters of hogwarts get their own portrait and if you have two, uh, multiple different portraits, you can actually walk out of your frame and leave and go into another portrait. Because remember in the first movie when they got the chocolate frogs, they're like, well, they can't stick around forever, right? Mm-hmm. So, and these are supposed to just be like memories, not the real person or whatever, but they're very helpful. Mm-hmm. And so they go and... Uh, just like the, the, the fat lady when she went from one portrait to another after being attacked by exactly. Sirius. She went to hide behind some... Some, some cows or, or something. something. like that. Cheap. Um... But so he sends somebody to Grimall Place to, um, or in Grimall Place to go check on Arthur at the ministry. They find him. He's very badly wounded. The snake's gone. And uh, so he has to be taken to St. Mungo. And that's where we find out the, um, that's where we find out about Neville's parents because we get the whole St. Mungo scene in the, in the book um, that we don't get here in the movie. But before that, that scene where he's talking to Harry. And he walks by, and he keeps walking by, but he's not looking at him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember how uh, occlumency works? No. So after this, and we'll talk about it in a sec, but after this, uh, Dumbledore assigns Harry to go do occlumency with Snape. I don't know what that is. And occlumency is trying to read somebody's mind. Uh, and um, no, I'm sorry. Occlumency is blocking somebody from reading some of your someone else's minds. Legilimens is reading somebody else's mind. So Voldemort is one of the greatest legilimens. He can read people's mind very, very well. One of the greatest around, if not the greatest. But who's the greatest occlumency? Uh, I don't know. Snape. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that's what allows Snape to be such a good double agent. Or is she? Um, because he can block anybody from reading his true thoughts mm-hmm. and everything. So he's really good at it. Now, Harry was able to break through a little bit here just because Snape wasn't prepared. But um, because of that, you need eye contact for legilimens, right? 
and Snape is, remember, in Harry's head. And is there's a very good chance that Snape could be monitoring this conversation. Or Snape, sorry. Voldemort. I got a weird look from somebody that, that made me realize I said the wrong name. Voldemort <laughs> is, in Henry, is in Harry's head, isn't he? So he could be actively watching at this moment what's going on. And Dumbledore probably knows that. And that's that. why Dumbledore is not even looking at Harry. Like, he doesn't even care. Mm-hmm. As soon as he comes back and said, they found him, uh, uh, Albus, he'll be all right. Dumbledore kind of turns this way and for like a split second shows eye contact with him as he turns. And that eye contact is all Voldemort needed to try to take over, right? Mm-hmm. And then at that point, Voldemort tried to really take And that's when he did the neck thing. And he's like, look at me. In the dream, were you standing next to the victim or looking down at the scene? Neither. It was like I... Professor, will you please just tell me what's happening? Never out. Arthur's on guard duty tonight. Make sure he's found by the right people. Sir. Phineas. You must go to your portrait at Grimmel Place. Tell them that Arthur Weasley is gravely injured and his children will be arriving there soon by Port Key. Got him, Albus. It was close, but they think he'll make it. What's more, the Dark Lord failed to acquire it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Look at me! And so, I mean, that's when Voldemort came out. And then you get Dumbledore looking at him. And that's when, then you see his face and he looks so evil. And then he goes, what's happening to you? The e- evil drains from his face. And that's when Dumbledore finally goes, oh, Snape, we can't wait any longer. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Love that scene. I do too. Could be my favorite scene of the movie. Yeah. And just that one where, I mean, he just does such a good job with the neck thing. He and does. There's a part in the Deathly Hallows where they're dealing with, I won't say what they are right now, but with parts of Voldemort's soul, parts of Voldemort, where as soon as he touches something, you know, they're like, oh, no, it's 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 in Half-Blood Prince that it happens. He reaches out and touches something. Yeah. And it spins and he suddenly goes... Uh-huh. Because he he's neck. and it's just like this thing that he can't help. Like he does, it's just like a snake kind of just moving his head around and everything. And it's like this really creepy, like he's possessed. And type you've seen of thing. Voldemort do it too before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way that Daniel Radcliffe does it, it looks like he's possessed. It looks like real wicked. Yeah. And he just does such a good job of it. And the way that he briefly had the thing, he did the neck crick and then look at me. Mm-hmm. And in the next movie, he does it too, and he cricks it, and then like Dumbledore's kind of looking at him like that kind of like more confirmation that Harry's got inside of him what he thought he did but just great great acting by Daniel Radcliffe oh, I really like that part me too um so uh there's still when he gets back from the uh Occlumency, um Harry is still uh, I mean when they get back from Christmas break they're still doing Occlumency with Snape and Harry's uh, Harry's getting sick of it, and he's like, you know, Snape's bad mouthing and bad mouthing his dad, which I don't think that Harry still has a, a good grasp of how much of a bully his dad was back in the day. Now he made changes, but you completely get where Snape's coming from, right? Right. So um, he he uses a protection charm when uh, when Snape tries to read his mind one time, and he ends up reading um, Snape's mind. Snape's mind. Mm-hmm. And this is where he sees Snape being bullied. You know, people making fun of him. And it was all led by James. And he has that same look that Malfoy has when he's messing with people, you know. So it's in that moment he realizes, and he's even, like, stuttering when he comes out. And Snape's like, 
mortified, right? Because even in the, you remember when he's like, no one can, nobody can know because I don't want anybody to know my past. But he's real mortified that Harry is now seeing that his dad used to bully Snape. Yeah. And it kind of gives you a new sense. This is kind of the turning point for everything. You mm-hmm. know, everything that you thought you knew before Goblet of Fire, everything's changing now. Now we learn James Potter was a bully and he put through Snape through some hell. And, and Sirius was just as bad, you know. Um, I just think it's really cool uh, how they added that in there and are really starting to kind of build up Snape's importance to the past. Mm -hmm. You know, because before it's been him just helping out with these little things. In the movies, it didn't show his connection to the Marauders um, as well as it did in the book. So now we're starting to see more and more Snape becoming more and more important to the story. Right. So. um, A little bit before that. Sorry, I'm backtracking a tiny bit. Um, A little bit before that, like during, you know, Christmas break and everything, you know, Arthur's back and everything, and then uh, Sirius pulls Harry aside and has a sweet little father and son moment. My parents with their pure blood mania. My mother did that after I ran away. Charming woman. I was 16. Where did you go? Your dad's. I was always welcome at the Potters. I see him so much in you, Harry. You are so very much alike. I'm not so sure. Serious, when I was... When I saw Mr. Weasley attacked, I wasn't just watching. I was the snake. And afterwards, in Dumbledore's office, there was a moment when I... I wanted to... (sighs) This connection between me and Voldemort. What if the reason for it is that I am becoming more like him? I, I just feel so angry all the time. And... What if, after everything that I've been through, something's gone wrong inside me? What if I'm becoming bad? I want you to listen to me very carefully, Harry. You're not a bad person. You're a very good person who bad things have happened to. You understand? Besides, the world isn't split into. Good people and death eaters. We've all got both light and dark inside us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. Sirius, you know, jumps in and is like, you know, you are not a bad person. You are a good person who bad Bad things things have happened to. Yes. And he says, and it's what you do moving forward with those emotions and everything that make you out to the kind of person that you are just because you have these emotions does not mean you are a bad person and one of my favorite quotes in all of harry potter because with all these types of movies where you have good magic or good powered people whether it's superheroes or harry potter or people with the force and star wars and you have the bad people you know the bad versions of those or whatever with every single one of those 
you you either you you kind of get that way. You're like, well, is that a good Jedi or is it a Sith? Mm-hmm. Is that a good wizard or is that a bad wizard and everything? And I really like his line. He's like, the world isn't divided into good people and Death Eaters. Mm-hmm. We all have light and dark in us, mm-hmm. but it's what you choose to act on. Right. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. And so he's worried he's turned into Voldemort. Um, but really what's happening is just Voldemort's taking him over. Yep. He doesn't realize it and, and Dumbledore can't tell him because Voldemort might be listening in at the moment and he'll realize that they're closer than he thought. So um, they, they continue to train in Dumbledore's army and after Neville tells him about his mom and all that, that's and I think I think that's what makes Harry go. He sees Neville's you know, Neville, Neville talks about what happened to his parents. You know, Bellatrix tortured him. You know, they went insane. But I'm really proud of them. You know, I'm proud of who they were. And Harry kind of was like, man, this guy needs needs something good. So then it's like the next thing I'm going to teach is the spell where you have to, you know, it takes having good positive memories yep. and, and, and all that behind it. So the next thing they do is Patronus's. And I think that's good for for Neville because he struggles the most to produce one. And in the uh, book, I think he produces a good one. I don't think we actually see him produce a Patronus in this one. So poor Neville is still left behind. But, of course, we got Ron with the the little dog, the lab or whatever. Hermione with the otter. Hermione has an otter. I could I would have guessed she would have had a cat. A cat, but definitely. But, you know, maybe that's... Uh, um, Umbridge has a cat, mm-hmm. which we see in Deathly Hallows Part 1. Um, and then Luna had a rabbit, uh-huh, a little a bunny hair. rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember any of the other ones. What would your Patronus be? Have you have you been to Pottermore? Yes, I have, and I can't quite. I, it was a long time ago that I, I took this quiz. Um, and I took my you know Patronus test, and I I can't remember for the life of me what mine was. Okay, well, but you did take it, right? Yes. So first of all, which house were you in? Slytherin. Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's scary. <laughs> How did you get Slytherin? I don't know. Okay. I can't find mine either. I got Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. which I'm very happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're kind of stuck up, but I'm in, I'm in the presence of like Luna and Cedric. No, Cedric was Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Luna. Okay. I got uh-huh. Luna and Cho. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I like Ravenclaw. I liked what I had. Did you do the test? What'd you get? Henry got Hufflepuff. That's so... He's like the most laid-back dude I've ever met, Henry, and uh, and that makes a lot of sense because Hufflepuff is pretty laid-back. My boyfriend's Slytherin, too. Oh, is he Slytherin? Yeah. Okay. I'm Ravenclaw, which means I'm very high-strung and, you know, worried about my grades and all that kind of stuff and, you know, trying to be as smart as I can. None of us are brave. I don't know how I got Slytherin. I just that just did. means you're ambitious. You know, you could say, well, it's the bad house, but... It could just mean that you're ambitious because that's what Slytherin and is. And not all Slytherins are bad, so. But all all bad the bad people, people are, are from Slytherin, but not all Slytherins are end up being bad people. It's like uh, all all thumbs are fingers, but not all fingers are thumbs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same thing. By the way, you know they formed Dumbledore's army and they started it in the uh, they started training in the room of requirement because not a lot of people in the school know about it. Okay, so there's some booms outside. Guess who's getting in? Umbridge. Mm-hmm. And who do they have with them? We've uh, we, they got Cho. They got Cho. Mm-hmm. So to say this, um, 
They they were in the room of requirement. In the movie, they had Neville find it. Remember, they're trying to like give Neville a little credit, make him look more important because he does have a very important role in the last book. And Definitely. A very important oh, thing, yeah. uh, scene and everything. <coughs> um, and it kind of kind of it's it's good for that character, but um, he did not find the room of requirement in this one. If you listen to our last episode, you we talked to about um, how how Barty Crouch Jr.'s story went in the books and how different it was in the movies and how he had a house elf named Winky that was helping him. Well, once Barty Crouch Jr. Um, ended up going back to prison and I think he that they uh, finally did the Dementors kiss on him because mm-hmm. just like what was done to his mom yeah. when she died, um, he had the Dementors kissed on him, done on him and he was gone after that. Yeah. So... Um, so Winky was the the house elf. She was left devastated because she really loved Barty Crouch Jr. and she would have done anything with him. So she got really depressed. So she decided to go. Uh, Dobby invited her work with her in the kitchen with him in the kitchens because Dobby works in the Hogwarts kitchens now uh, and uh, has fun doing that. And he can go wherever he wants. He's not tied to the school or whatever. So, but he helps Winky and he found this room of requirement to let her go sleep off her uh, her drunkenness because she'd get drunk off a of butterbeer because she missed mm-hmm. her master so much. And he told Harry about it, and that's where Harry found out about that. So just to let you know, that's how that happened. Now, Cho gets a lot of crap because of this movie. Yeah. And it's not what happened in the book. I don't know if you remember. There was a friend that Cho had, and she didn't want to be part of Dumbledore's army. She didn't want to That's join right. this. And her parents didn't want her to join this. They were very, because her parents worked at the ministry and they were very much with Fudge. Mm-hmm. And so was the friend. Mm-hmm. And so because Cho wanted the friend to go with her and she wanted to be close to Harry and all that, it was actually the friend that went and told Umbridge about this. But they blamed Cho because whatever. It's just their relationship fall apart. And since that Cho was friends with this girl... Harry couldn't separate it, and that's why they kind of fell apart. You know, we have Harry's very first kiss in this movie. I just didn't feel like we needed to talk about it because I've never liked Cho as far as that goes. She just had such a weird personality, and I didn't understand why Harry wanted to be in a relationship with her because they don't have much in common. They just, he'd never talked to her. Like, it was maybe just a physical attraction to it because I'm trying to remember the books too. I mean, like, she, he didn't talk to her much in Goblet of Fire asked her out she's like ah i'm going with cedric sorry mm-hmm. and and then the next year in this movie um she was just sad about cedric all year so i don't know what they had in common their personalities he was really awkward around her too yeah also she was a year above him mm-hmm. so she when she graduated uh, at, at the end of half blood prince mm-hmm. so she didn't come back to i mean she was already graduated whereas ron hermione and and harry also had one more year to go but she did because she was loyal to Harry, she did come back for the battle, gotcha. even though she wasn't in. But I think the, the movie portrays it as she's still in school. But she's technically, she was in um, Cedric's, or between Cedric and Harry's age or whatever. Um, so anyways, um, they take Harry to the uh, Dumbledore's office and they present it to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore's already sitting on his desk just you know, with one butt cheek on the desk and the other kind of just hanging <laughs> off. He's got, he's just chilling like he's waiting. He's waiting for him. He's like, okay, come on, come on. 
I know what you're here for. I have a feeling he's got like ears everywhere. He or does. Something. He knows. He what's knows going everything. On. So they are like, look, this piece of paper that all these kids signed up to. They said it was, you know, they named it Dumbledore's Army. This is everybody who's in it. It's proof that it's that that you did this, Dumbledore. And he goes, yep. He says, yep. Sure, says right Dumbledore, not Harry. Exactly. And Dumbledore's like, no, no, this was my idea. He didn't do it. And Dumbledore's like, oh, that's sweet of you, Harry. But as you can see, my name's on it. He turned to them. He's like, you know, I told Harry to do this because Harry cannot get kicked out of uh, out of Hogwarts. If he does, he's out in the open. He's exposed. And the Dursleys aren't going to want him back at their house right. until summertime. Mm-hmm. So he has nowhere to go, and he's in much more danger now. Now, I'm like, okay, there are plenty of places in this world. I mean, we saw in the Deathly Hallows that you can secure a place that they can't get into. Mm-hmm. But And as long as you have a secret keeper, you can trust as well. You know what I mean? So um, I'm not flipping you off here. I'm just rubbing my face. <laughs> um, so... He, uh, they, they confront Dumbledore about it, and they're like, "Okay, come on, let's go, buddy. You're under arrest." You're, and he's like, "No, no, I'm not." He's like, "I don't, never, I don't never, plan on yeah, going to ask it. It's not my style, you know that thing." And so, what do you do? He claps his hand together. The phoenix yeah. comes behind him, and he and he I'm knows some he, kind I'm of guess, a spell, some kind of or maybe it's phoenix spell. magic. I don't know. Maybe phoenix magic has magic like uh, the house elf. But as soon as he touches the phoenix and claps his hand together, he bursts into flames. He, you know, absorbs the phoenix flames. Both the bird and the the wizard disappears. Huge explosion. Everybody's knocked back. And when they all get up, he's gone. And Kingsley. And Kingsley has to say. Uh, you may not. Something about you may not, you may like, not like him. You may not like Dumbledore. But uh, he's got style. But you have to admit, Dumbledore has style. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, so he's gone, and Umbridge becomes the new he- uh, headmistress. And might I add that that was one of Henry's favorite scenes? The uh, clapping. The clapping. The, yeah. Okay. So Henry's favorite scene is that. One of one my, of them. Fa- yeah, one of my favorites is the look at me mm-hmm. and all that. Okay. So um, during this whole school, they're taking their owl tests, which are like kind of like ACT, SAT type tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're getting, get, getting ready to go beyond for your aptitude to see what kind of jobs you'd be good for afterwards. You know, Harry, obviously, in the books, you know, he talks about how he wants to be an Auror. He wants to fight dark wizards. And uh, that's what he wants to do. And uh, so they have to take these tests. But it's not important to the movie, so we're not going to get into it too much. Uh, but they are taking tests when... Um, uh, Fred and George decide they've had enough of Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably would have stuck it out for the rest of the year if Dumbledore was there, but this is their last year, and since they had already done all their owls and all their testing, there's no reason for them to be there anymore. So what better chance, or what better time than to take the chance, what better time than now uh, would it be to just take the chance to screw everything up? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <clears throat> really ruin uh, Umbridge's day. So they come in there and they explode a bunch of fireworks and it's hilarious. But then suddenly Harry experiences a vision and he collapses when he sees this vision because Voldemort is torturing Sirius in the the, the uh, Department of Mysteries in the, I guess this would be the prophecy room of the Department of Mysteries, but he's torturing him there, the same place where he saw uh, Arthur get attacked by a snake. And he's asking him... Uh, What's he asking him? Uh, what the prophecy is, maybe. Yeah, he's. I, I can't remember actually what he. I don't know if he's asking him to get it or where is it. Well, because Sirius said you would have to kill me, so I'm guessing he was yeah, asking what to, the prophecy. Yeah, is. tell me what it is or mm-hmm. whatever. And he's like, you're gonna have to kill me. So he's 
using the Crucio curse on him, and Harry's freaking out. So he he runs with uh, Harry and uh, or, yeah with Ron and Hermione, and he's like, "We got to save Sirius." And they're like, "You know this could be a trap." And he's like, "I don't care. It's serious." And they're like, "Okay, cool. Let's do it." So they go to her her uh, office where they can use her chimney to communicate. The flu but, network. But they didn't go in there in the book to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. The, do you know what the reason they were going in there for? Because I don't think they even realized it. They were going there to send out a message to the to the order, right? Well, um, in the book, it shows how creature actually pr- kind of, you know, in the big scheme of things, caused serious serious death. Because when he had that vision, he went and went into the fireplace, and the only one who was around was Creature, because mm-hmm. he was talking to the fireplace in, in, in Sirius's house. And he goes, where's Sirius? And Creature's like, he's not here. And basically, he's like, oh, so he's not here. He's like, I don't know what happened to him, but he's not here. And Sirius was there, but Creature just wanted, is, is being a jerk, because he doesn't like anybody there. Um, so Terry takes that as confirmation that, that Sirius is at the the Department of Minister uh, Department of Mysteries, but if he had if Creature hadn't screwed that up, then um, you know maybe none of this would have happened. Right. So they all decide to go to the Ministry to help Sirius out together. So we got Harry, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, Luna, and Neville all getting on Thestrals and riding to the Ministry. Um, we got as soon as they get to the Ministry. I love that they cut everything that was out in the Department of Mysteries out of this movie. When I was reading this book, it was like a very exciting book to read. And mm-hmm. I was going on and on and on. You get to the Department of Mysteries and you're kind of like, there's some cool stuff in there and the yeah. things that she made up is, is pretty cool, but it really does go on too long. I mean, they got all these rooms and they spin I think and I, I kind of brains remember fly it. all over the place and you never know which where you're going. It was just too much. It broke them up too much. This one blessedly has them get into the elevator and the next scene it cuts to them going into where all the prophecies are like thank god we just saved like 20 or 30 minutes of a movie yeah <laughs> um so they go in there they find the prophecy and lucius is there too um because of course he is mm-hmm. um what do you think of uh, helena bonham carter as bellatrix Lestrange? this is our to first see, real introduction of her i thought it was a really cool scene to see her kind of emerge from the darkness because you see her in azkaban getting broken out and she kind of looks like crap but yeah. you know she she comes out of the darkness she's got her hair like she she looks revamped and she looks freaking awesome i hate her but she looks awesome yeah you do anything to us i'll break it Baby. Potter. Oh, a strange. Never long bottom, is it? How's mum and dad? Better now they're about to be avenged. <laughs> I don't think anyone could have played a better Bellatrix Lestrange than she could, but yeah. um, you know, she looks great for, you know, her character and everything and great actress. Um, but you just know she's up to no good. So. Yeah. So they engage in a huge battle that basically destroys the entire prophecy room. Uh, they go through a door and get to this archway, which we saw in the books. We saw the archway before they got into the prophecy room. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what it was. They heard the voices, whatever. And then they left, and then they went to the prophecy room. Well, then they came back. They went back into that archway room. Mm-hmm. But only Harry and Luna could hear these voices. Just like Thestrals, yep. which is why we think that it's probably 
you know the 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 realm archway of, of, of death. The dead. Behind there, and they can hear that because they've been through that tragedy. So, if you walk through it, do you think you die? Yeah, because there's some wondering if that Avada Kedavra hit him straight on or or not or whatever. But yeah, I think that uh, I said in the book that Harry had a very strong sense that you wouldn't come back if you went beyond it. Yeah. So it gave him the sense that 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 would there would be some finality to passing through it. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why it's kept there away from everybody so nobody can fall through it or walk through it or whatever because maybe they can't destroy it. Right. Um, so the Death Eaters, Lucius and them corner in them, and they, each Death Eater has one of the kids captive. And so Harry hands over the prophecy as he does. Uh, you see a great white flash of light and he turns around and you see Sirius and he mm-hmm. says, get, get away, away from, from my godson. Boom! And punches them, and then yep. suddenly all the other uh, Order of the Phoenix shows up. They start fighting the Death Eaters. There's spells going everywhere. All the rest of the kids jump down because they don't have their wands anymore. And, you know, they're being kept uh, safe by the, all the other Auras fighting, and everybody's doing a great job. Matt I. Moody's using his staff, yep. hitting it against the floor. It shoots him away. It's awesome. Slams his staff down. And it's a lot more descriptive in the book about what everybody's doing and who's fighting who and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but just like in the book, we have Harry and Sirius taking on Lucius, and they beat him pretty quickly mm-hmm. uh, because Lucius isn't that intimidating. Uh, and he hits him, and this goes on to what I was saying, is that, uh, you know, you hear you hear uh, Sirius say, nice one, James. Mm-hmm. And because uh, uh, he, like, deflected, Harry deflected a spell from Lucius and maybe even sent it back, and he's like, oh, nice one, James. And you see Harry kind of look at him. And like, he looks over. Nice one, and so you see that. For Sirius, it's there's he's lost in it. Mm-hmm. He's still kind of like dealing with a lot. Yeah. Because it was so devastating for him to lose James. And, uh, you know, for him to say, nice one, James, it just shows how much he misses Harry's father and how much Harry reminds him of James. And not too long after that, you hear Avada Kedavra, a familiar voice, Bellatrix, mm-hmm. and she sends a sh- uh, shot of green light. Now, in the book, when, but right before this happened, uh, right before she sent that, that spell, they're all in that room, and guess who shows up in that room? Hmm. Dumbledore. Oh, okay. And suddenly, freaking... Death Eaters are running scared. Uh-huh. They all scatter, right? They're like, oh, crap, Dumbledore's here. Yeah. So they go all run and running like crazy, and it's only real quickly right after that <coughs> that Bellatrix sends that thing right to Sirius, and it happens like in the movie. He hits, he hits him, and he hits his chest, and he almost has this kind of weird smile on his face, and then he falls back into the archway and disappears. And she does the same thing. I killed Sirius back. And so he's real dead. You, you have to put that into the episode, her yeah. saying that. This was such a good performance from Daniel Radcliffe showing his pain. Oh, they, my gosh. It they, they breaks on, my heart. Yeah, they said on set that it was like it was hard for people to watch him because he wailed so hard, and he just like really, really felt it. And uh, they said David Thewlis, uh, who plays Remus, uh, couldn't even hold him back yeah. because he was so just like in the moment and everything. And just thought it was a great moment because that felt – him like losing a brother yeah and that you know? was his last i guess form of family in a way yeah and i don't think he ever saw sirius as like a fam like a mother or father figure but he saw him as like an old maybe an older brother that was supposed to take care of him yeah. or something 
Um, I think that's kind of more how we saw it, and just just to have that happen, and he just loses it, and then he chases her down, and for the very first time in his life, he uses, he uses an, unforgivable an unforgivable curse and shoots the Crucio, but. It kind of just phased her because she was right back up in the book. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she, how did that unphase her? She well because and and it's just what Voldemort says. You have to mean it. That's true. You have to you to he, he's not cruel, and to do the Crucio curse, you have to pour your cruelty in it basically. Yeah. And so he was doing it out of out of uh, um, remorse, out of devastation, and everything. So uh, he sent that and. Um, the, the, the scene in the book in this this uh, lobby area or whatever with the fountain, oh my gosh, it's so good. Like, it is. Like uh, Dumbledore's pulling out like a shield, uh-huh. the shield that bounces, that uh, the Avada Kedavra curses bounce off of. Uh, they bring the statues to life. Yeah, and this they, is. They this go is... like this, and they hold Harry back, uh-huh. and they're protecting Harry and everything. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite scenes. The book is so so cool. The uh, uh, the way everything is, and if they had copied it, I don't know. Maybe it would have been all right. In the book, it shows you know he still has like a pointy hat and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Which he doesn't, and this is that warrior Dumbledore we're looking at. But I thought they did a really good job. Oh my in the gosh, movie they did amazing! Well. It was an amazing fight scene. I loved it. We don't know half the things they were throwing at each other. We right. had never seen them before. Uh-huh. So you know, when the kids are fighting, you always see stupefy, stupefy, stupefy. They're not corpus. even. They're not even talking. You know, all just... these types of things. They're not even talking, and you're not seeing stupefies. You're not seeing Levy Corpus. You're not seeing. Uh, whatever Ginny uses, you're Reducto. seeing this advanced, advanced, crazy stuff. And most of it coming from Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Voldemort could have done this or that. Um, all that stuff that Voldemort was doing, um, I, I meant Dumbledore could have done this or that to Voldemort, but all that stuff that Voldemort was doing was beyond Dumbledore. Yeah. Like Dumbledore is very powerful and knows a lot of magic, but he also, and he knows some dark magic because yeah. he had to study for whatever. But he generally didn't study dark magic, so all the stuff that Voldemort was throwing out, you know, he was kind of having a tough time with. Mm -hmm. In the book, it was completely clear that Dumbledore was 100, no, 200% in control of that fight. Everything that Voldemort was sending and everything that he was doing, um, you got the sense that Dumbledore could have stopped that fight at any moment. Mm Yeah. or at least he could he could be doing a lot more, but he didn't want to he didn't want to go after Voldemort. He didn't want to give it to us all. He didn't want to mess up. He all he was doing was stalling because mm-hmm. he knew that actually the, all the Aurors and that Fudge was on his way yep. back to the Ministry. Right. So all he was doing was stalling. He was trying to make sure that that Voldemort didn't get away, didn't mm-hmm. separate, uh, didn't get away, and everything. So he was trying to keep him there. But he was like way more in command of the fight. Whereas in the movie, it felt like. He was just having a tough time keeping up with it all. Right. Like he did, and uh, he was very powerful, but he was having a bit of a problem keeping, keeping up. Keeping him in the water bowl that he could have kept him in. If yeah, and you think of how uh, Harry, you know, interfered yeah, I know. with Harry ruined that one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you think of how powerful Dumbledore is, and how powerful Voldemort is, and you think of this person named Amelia Bones, uh, Amelia Bones, uh, putting up a really good fight against. Uh, yeah not many people that can do stuff like that yeah so i just really really love this fight scene i think it's great i think it's emotional i think that the possession does happen in the book as well um and it is him thinking about his friends and the good memories that he has that is able to get him out of there 
And um, the reason that we never see past this point Voldemort reading Harry's mind is because in that moment when Harry was thinking about all his friends and all the happiness that he knows, in that moment, Voldemort almost experienced more pain than he ever has because he cannot experience love, and that much love pains him. Um, and we'll get into next episode, uh, next book, or The Half-Blood Prince. If you and I have time, I'd love to talk about yeah. that one too because um, – I really would like to talk about the movie, but I want to dig into what the book says about Voldemort's background, all the stuff that they left out. They left out way too much of Half-Blood Prince, as much as I love that movie. But um, uh, anyways, so he possessed he possessed Harry. Uh, uh, Harry thought about all his friends. <coughs> I was crying. It was so emotional. And it was just too much pain for, for Voldemort. So he'll never get into Harry's mind again because he doesn't want to experience that. And him feeling that pain showed Harry, you're the weak one, you know. You'll never know love or friendship, and I feel sorry for you. And it's it's pretty much basically what Dumbledore tells him at the end because he experienced the, the pureness of Harry. Yeah. Couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that shows, again, Dumbledore, another reason why Harry is such an amazing person is because he... He was able to see he had that much goodness in him right. to repel Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Ron and Hermione walk in. That's what is able to remind him of all the good times. And he looks, he thinks back to like Chamber of Secrets and I know all the Sorcerer's Stone and all those uh, Goblet of Fire and different things. And even in this movie, and you know, it's just so cool. The music it makes is you just so out. like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> It was just so emotional. I was crying because, yeah. like, I'm still recovering from, you know, my favorite character getting murdered, and yeah, uh, you know, you know, he way. has to sit there while Dumbledore and Voldemort are fighting. He's trying to collect his thoughts and, like, oh my god, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And you know, then he gets possessed by Voldemort, and um, then he's talking to him, and it is just such an emotional scene. Yeah. I love it. I hate it, but I love it. Yep. And then at the end, uh, Dumbledore tells him about all the, uh, tells him about everything, catches him up on it. This is why I had to do this. And he tells him, he's like, if he knew how close we were, he would use you to spy on us, to figure out what's going on. And if he's using you like that, you would have been destroyed. Yeah. Now, he didn't know about the whole, you know, Harry being so pure would end up repelling him. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was just worried about his... I, I don't know if there's a way he could have gotten that across to Harry without, you know, Voldemort potentially finding out. Yeah. And uh, once, finally, he's done talking to Harry, the the little forceful... Or the force field shield thing around Harry and Voldemort, you know, <coughs> finally Cornelius Fudge and the Ministry walks in as well You're as the a other... Fool, Harry Potter. Yeah, he yeah the the order of the phoenix comes in as well as Cornelius, and uh, he sees the 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 shield and everything, and he sees Voldemort's face, face, and he goes, he's back, he's back, (laughs) and then you go, and then the whole theater goes, no duh, yeah, it's just like (laughs) no shh, I can't say that, but oh my god, (coughs) yeah, man, but. So anyways, uh, uh, the boy who lived and Dumbledore acquitted. 
yep. in the public eye. Um, turns out they were right. Turns out that uh, Umbledore, uh, um, Umbledore, Umbridge was doing some pretty reprehensible things that yep. was found out, and she has an investigation. Maybe they'll send her to Azkaban for all the torture and child abuse she did, but I doubt it because she's got a job in a couple movies. So yeah. Um, and uh, what? How does the movie end? Oh yeah, they're walking to the train with everybody. I thought this was a weird ending, but I can't remember exactly how the book ends. Uh, it's really irritating, but um, it ends with them walking to the train, and he has this weird speech, and he says something at the end. It just sound it sounded like uh, what was it? He said, "You know what we need, or whatever." But then, like, he, they're like, "What, Harry?" And then his answer just didn't sound like what he was setting it up for. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was just a terrible part. Uh, but and then that's the movie. That's how the movie ends, right? Yeah, I think so. <coughs> Yeah, right after outside of Hogwarts. during the uh, scene where the um, the Death Eaters were fighting uh, the the uh, Order of the Phoenix and everything in that one room with the archway and everything, I stopped writing notes after that because I got too invested. So <laughs> the last uh, note that I have is Death Eaters emerge. So after that, there's just nothing because <laughs> I just got too invested in it. But such a yeah. good movie basically for me it's as soon as the fireworks are you, you like the fireworks are the build-up for me because you're waiting for the weasley twins to come yep. and then it happens and stuff but as soon as he collapses from that moment on it's just like i Pure love chaos movie. yeah and i really do love this movie for that part um it was one of my favorite books reading it and the movie just there was so much cut out i hated it for a while yeah, I, I'm like I like the ending and all that kind of stuff, but I really didn't like it for a while because they cut out so much and I was so angry. But I'm like, how else do you do it? You know, yeah. she wrote a long book. I'm super glad they're doing the series so we can get a more in depth story and everything. But I don't know. I don't know what you say about that. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I love the movie in total. It's hard for me to you know bring forward my own thoughts about the book because I read these books. For like a long time ago and I, there was like one summer a couple summers ago that uh I had started reading them again and I got up to Goblet of Fire and then I stopped reading them just because I got busy. When you say you got up to Goblet of Fire you mean you read the first three and then you almost started Goblet of Fire or you got all the way through? I Goblet? got all the way through Goblet of Fire. Really? Not yeah. a lot of people will do that. Yeah. No. Because and that that's generally considered like a book that like it's one of the best books but it's such a long it book. is so long but i pushed through it I, it's not really pushing through it because I, I love this series yeah. more than any yeah. series ever i got harry uh, henry reading them but yeah I, it's been a while since i read them yeah it's been years since i've read order of the phoenix and on so it's kind of you know blurry in my memory but <laughs> i remember bits and pieces and when you remind me of certain things i'm like oh yeah so yeah, I forgot about that. yeah. but other than that movie 10 out of 10. I love it so much. And uh, and this is taking your top spot now. Yeah. All right. Well, real quick, uh, what's your favorite scene? In this movie? The battle scene. That tied with the look at me for scene is for me. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite scene? Uh, it's tied between the fight between Dumbledore and, Vol and Voldemort or the fireworks scene. Yeah. Which fire? Oh, you the, like that one, right? The firework scene was cool. Well, Henry really likes, uh, you know, funny scenes. scenes he likes, yeah, laugh. Fred and George are and where And he likes at. when people are giving other people crap. Uh -huh. He just, you know, because that's his shtick. 
So, uh, yeah, it's about the same. Um, we got some fun things coming up as far as Half Blood Prince, and then we got three, uh, two movies, or you know, one book split into two movies, uh, all coming up. Have you heard much about the series that's coming out? I've heard very, very little bit, and I've heard you know it's very one side of the coin, and the other, you know, one side is like I'm totally for it, and I'm so excited, and the other is like, no, this is stupid, let it rest. You know, kind of thing. I think that's because it's been done so recently. Maybe if there was like another 10 years or something gone by. But we're actually, we're kind of getting towards the end of the golden age of television. Right. Right. Like it's it's for like the last 10 years, it's been the golden age of television. Just great, great programming. What year did part two come out? Uh, Deathly Alice part two was probably 2011, maybe 10, something like that. Um can't remember i know the first movie i think came out in 2001 or something it's almost 10 years um so from what i understand it's going to be each season is a book okay so maybe seven or eight uh seven or eight seasons to it all right well this is already a crazy long episode (laughs) so we're gonna go ahead and sign off but uh if you guys uh want to get a hold of us we're on all social media the post credit podcast except for twitter we're at the post credit our email address is the post credit podcast at gmail.com we have a website it's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com and we're on youtube uh we appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next time goodbye freaking loud ow ow my earring don't <laughs> don't do it don't don't do it leaving all of this in <laughs> i'm just gonna have the music fade out at the end and have all this playing <laughs> uh, <laughs> i forgot my notes uh, <laughs> all right forgot my notes